0: Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Hi, welcome to the interview there series with Three Pagans and a Cat. And I'm Carr.
1: You may call me Ode.
2: Marry me. My name is Gwyn.
0: And our guest today is Ken Day.
2: We are very happy to have you here.
3: I am very happy to be here with you.
0: So, would you do me a favor and just kind of let people know who you are, where you came from?
1: How you got on this path? How,
0: how, yeah, how you got where <laughs> you're the at? Is. they're
2: yeah. going to be going? What are we talking about? God,
3: where to start? Where to start? <laughs> you know, it's always interesting when someone asks that question. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, where to begin? <laughs> and and right now, I'm in the process of writing yet another book. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! It's Not a book about shamanism. Oh, interesting. As some people read up, realize who have known me for more than a few years. I teach shamanism but for years like 30 years I also taught something called Shea and Shea is more like a spiritual tradition that had smatterings of like ritual magic and things like that. Okay. Hmm. Essentially, it is a way of deconstructing the self so that you can reconstruct it, but healthier. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
3: It breaks up the divine into four pieces, four faces of the divine. Mm-hmm. Jhana, which is the great mother, all form, the physical body. Maga, all life force, fire, flame, masculine, dad. Kiata, who's the child, the consciousness air, and Anohi, mm-hmm. which is both the, the one from which all else emerges, and the all else that emerged from it, mm-hmm. okay. union and water, both water and spirit. Mm-hmm. So I did that for about 35, 40 years, and then decided that that community of people who had been going through that process, going through the initiations and meeting the mysteries and all that, kind of got to a place where, we're done, mm-hmm. I think we can put this away as it is, mm-hmm. and then... Over the last couple of years, I've been just been sitting with it and letting myself go back to those initial transmissions and reevaluate it and see how do I actually want to present this? Because when I first put it out there, it was very limited. and I kept it very close to my chest. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt very responsible. I was like a newborn child. You know, I was going to let it go out and play with just anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, for, so for literally 35 years. I mentored people directly. Mm-hmm. I initiated them and there was only one other initiator and maybe fifteen other mentors mm-hmm. who okay. were trained with me or trained with one of my students. Okay. And that just came to the point where I was like, okay, we're we're done. We'll put this away and we'll revisit it later on. So now I'm at the point where okay, I think I'm ready to do this. The spirits are poking at me. I'm already working on another book on shamanism. But to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, that was super interesting. Yes, it really was. I actually uh, I love the idea that I'm a professional shaman in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. and that that's my day job yeah mm-hmm. you know we've got my wife and i have a an office building we essentially we got tired of having to move to a new office every five or six years because someone would buy the building mm-hmm. or they'd expand their business or and we'd have to find another place so mm-hmm. we bought this old house that was built in 1864 Ooh. right you go down to the basement and there's bark on the trees oh that they wow, use. Oh, wow so, yeah, yeah I know. and we've got a, a railroad that goes right past the back of the house that's weird cool. that's wow. kind of cool I wish it was a commuter or <laughs> <laughs> and had a stop in your backyard right. Yeah, wow. you're right yeah Yeah. <laughs> so we have a business down there called Body and Soul find us at Body Soul Cincy that's B-O-D-Y S-O-U-L C-I-N-C-Y dot com mm-hmm and then that has links also to my shamanic work. So, yeah, I've been doing that full time since 1989. Wow. That's yeah. wonderful.
0: That's crazy. What a That's a thing long to time, to yeah.
3: As a career. It is. That's really yeah. wonderful. I mean, I've been telling people that right livelihood is a good idea for years, but of course, I can't teach that if I'm not living. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So, it feels good to be able to say that. Yeah. yeah. And I okay. live down there in Cincinnati with my amazing wife, who's a shiatsi practitioner and yoga teacher, amazing yoga teacher. She has many superpowers. Mm-hmm. Among them, the ability to look at a person and how they move and immediately assess what's going on with them, what they need to do, lifestyle changes, all this. We need to go visit yeah. Cincinnati. <laughs> right? Here, I am right there. we go. I also designed business cards. Very nice. And the website. Cool. And we do have this amazing daughter, Megan Quinn Sharon Day. It's a full name and she lives up to it. <laughs> <laughs> she is amazing. And she's the one that got the rest of the family into Irish dance. Oh, okay. She started Irish dance when she was like four years old. And then Patricia got into it. And just a couple months ago, I started doing it. Oh, fun. So, yeah, it's so that I could dance at her wedding. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's very, very cool. cool. It'll very, be a few years. I mean, she's nine.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you got time.
3: Yeah, right.
1: got time. which means you've got yeah, you've got plenty of time to get good. Yeah, that's right at the dance. Well,
3: <laughs> off to a point. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about this stuff because so much of me and so much of shamanism mm-hmm. is about family. Mm-hmm. It's
4: mm-hmm.
3: about real life. It's a spiritual path, but it's a very grounded embodied physical path mm-hmm. unlike a lot of spiritual paths that get very cerebral very mm-hmm. esoteric if you can't bring it down to earth and make it work i'm not interested right yeah it has to be able to fit into making who the, you are
0: who you are and making
2: a yeah. life and it has to work yeah
3: i'm not interested in passing on teachings that don't work right they have to work for me first if they don't work for me i'm not about to share them with anybody else because mm-hmm. that's just embarrassing true <laughs> right yeah But then, I mean, I've been passing these teachings on since 85, 86, something like that. And I've got people in the current cohort down in Cincinnati who came to some of the early ones back when I just did Opening Inner Doorways. Okay. first workshop, and I tried to cram everything into Mm -hmm. a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. That hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Not just me, but the poor people who were trying to receive all that. Mm -hmm. So I finally got it through my thick skull. Okay, I need to kind of break this up. So now Get it's. To breathe. Exactly. Yeah. So now there's no weekends. There you go. Over okay. about two years. Okay. And that's still pretty compact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at least it gives people time to unpack it in between.
4: So yeah.
1: yeah. It gives every, you a little bit months. to sit with it. Integrate. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, as we were saying before we started, could you give us like a just a basic I know it's probably hard, but a, a definition of what shamanism Absolutely. is? Absolutely. You know, for those of us who <laughs> have never done shamanism, really understood so, it as a practice,
3: shamanism is not a religion. Mm-hmm. To be a shaman, I, I'll give you the definition of what shaman is. Okay. Mm-hmm. A shaman is someone who, first of all, is chosen by the spirits. And what this means is that an ongong, right? Shamanic spirit—somebody who has had at least one lifetime as a shaman and wants to pass that on without embodying right now—who's hanging out in the upper world and waiting for a good candidate to come along—has looked down into the middle world and goes, "There's a likely person," and a poked at you. Okay. Sometimes with a semi, sometimes a (laughs) two by four, but they get your attention Mm -hmm. and they say you should do this work. What the work is is that you go into altered states, trance states, Mm -hmm. intentionally. Mm -hmm. So this isn't channeling, this isn't uh, being possessed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is intentional trance states that they go into a choice and they come out of by choice. But you go into the trance states in order to go into the spirit realms, and we go into the spirit realms in order to communicate with spirits, go figure. Mm -hmm. So we go and communicate with spirits, in order to bring back information to the nation and bring about changes, healing. That's basically it. And the other salient point here is that all of this needs to be in service to someone besides yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the post-tribal shaman because the difference with a a tribal shaman is that they're in service to their community, to their tribe. Mm -hmm. So I coined the term post-tribal shamanism background, 88, 89, and I did this because I was trying to come up with a way to describe what I did that was both descriptive of the changes, the differences between this and classical indigenous Mm shamanism, while respecting and acknowledging that there was something that came before this that is still there, Mm -hmm. right? There are plenty of indigenous shamans out there. Still
1: working. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
3: And I have a lot of respect for them. Now, right now, there are, following that description of what shamanism is, that definition, there are indigenous shamans that are working in tribal cultures. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we Westerners don't really get about tribal culture is that they have a different kind of consciousness. Mm -hmm. They literally have tribal consciousness. Tribal consciousness means that if they come up and, you know, you go up and introduce yourself to them, they're going to introduce you as their tribe. Mm-hmm. If you look at what is the most important element of our culture, it's going to be me. Mm-hmm. To we, be have be we have a very
1: individualist yeah. society. Exactly. It's true.
3: In a tribal culture, it's the tribe that's the most important element. And those individuals are easily sacrificed for the good of the tribe. But things have changed. So the techniques that work for an indigenous population, a tribal population, don't always work so well for our post-tribal culture.
4: Okay.
3: And one example of this is the technique of soul retrieval. Okay. So, real briefly, when we get traumatized, our unconscious self goes out that hurt and we take some of our energetic matrix that's holding all these different pieces of our soul together and we blow it out and we leave it there. And with that, we carry away the portion of the trauma that we can't handle in that moment. See, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Some party goes. Oh, yeah, I do that. You you reject
1: <laughs> the. It's it's not quite dissociative, but it sounds like it's related to a dissociative yeah. state. It's mm-hmm. a very similar. Rejecting mechanism. the pain so that you don't have to directly deal with it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So you do that too much, and you start kind of falling Bring apart. Yourself the, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, in a tribal culture, the shaman most likely will go and journey for the client. Go back, get that lost stuff mm-hmm. bring it and put it into the client what mm-hmm. i do with my clients is i bring them into shamanic body and have them journey with me back to the place of the trauma mm-hmm. and have them yeah. reabsorb that retrieve it themselves mm-hmm. and help them reintegrate so that it's them again so then instead of them leaving my office going oh wow ken really fixed me mm-hmm. you know it's oh wow i really did that i feel really strong empowered, and powerful yeah. exactly yeah. That's the very word. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of difference. That's what I mean by post-trival. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: So would you say that's a, a trust issue? Like in a tribe, the individuals in the tribe know and trust that the shaman is responsible for interacting with the spirit world for them. That's that person's role. Right. In post tribal society, you don't necessarily have that ongoing lifetime relationship with the shaman. Or anyone else. Or yeah, anyone or, else. or really anyone, maybe even in your family. Right. You You not not necessarily, even if you you encounter a professional shaman shaman like yourself, yourself. Right. Right. I not not you you whole whole the way way right. would would know a shaman shaman okay. my own tribe my tribe mm-hmm. tribe whole whole Right.
3: But just sit here for a moment, look of my eyes, and you know that when I say something like I just did sort mm-hmm. You know where it resonates within you, and oh yeah, oh yeah, that's Mm -hmm. true.
1: Oh no, I trust and believe you. And
3: well, that's part of the that's part of the job. Mm -hmm, Okay, I need to have really strong integrity, Mm -hmm. and that means that inevitably I will screw up. I have done, okay, Mm -hmm. but I need to own that, and I need to be in a process of constantly healing my own wounds. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it's that very. Exactly. Well, they call the shaman the wounded healer Mm -hmm. because, you know, once again, going back to the spirit ally getting your attention, that's usually very traumatic. It certainly was in my case. So I'm still healing wounds all the way back to my childhood. But that very process of healing sets up a particular resonance that... Then engenders that it's like um, you take two tuning forks, strike mm-hmm. one, and then start moving them together, and this one starts vibrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sets up that resonance that then brings up that healing resonance mm-hmm. in a client.
2: Yeah, that makes sense to me. Since we're talking about tribal and post-tribal shamanism, do you find that you know? Because there's a lot of talk today about appropriation. Do you mm-hmm. find? I, I don't mean to open a can of worms. Do you find people like? I would say do that there
3: difficulty are a because of lot of people who assume.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: that because I'm doing shamanism that I'm appropriating. You're stealing
1: it from somewhere yeah. Wow. Yeah.
3: and what I find hilarious is that there are people who at least claim to be Native American saying that they're shamans and I'm not because I'm white. Mm-hmm. See, that's okay? my... But shaman. if you had some issues with that. isn't a Native American word.
1: No, it's a Siberian word. Okay. Exactly. It's stuff gotcha. tingle. Yeah. yeah.
3: Gotcha. Right? And so, at least it's been in the European mm-hmm. lexicon mm-hmm. since the 1600s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? okay. It is a word that anthropologists use...
1: To describe this kind of work. Exactly. Okay. Describe All over, this over the world. world. So maybe it's kind of... And that's how d- the word shaman became disseminated. Right? Okay. So, and so that's it it is why. through the
3: uh, people in Native American tribes mm-hmm. will now, you know, they have right. their own words for it. Right. But when they're talking to us, so that we
2: understand, they'll use they'll the call word it a shaman. shaman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, do you think it's like maybe become much ado about nothing, or you is know, there it, real issues there? There are for some, for some. There's people? a difference.
3: Okay. There, there is a difference between true cultural appropriation, Right. right. where the, in a sense, a very aggressive culture mm-hmm. is taking whatever they want mm-hmm. from a. Dominated culture because they can.
1: And usually without reference to context. Right. Right.
3: Okay. But this isn't doing that. Right. The only thing that I'm taking from another culture is the word shaman. Mm-hmm. And sorry, guys, that cat's been out of the bag for, <laughs> for hundreds a long of years. Right yeah. Yeah. right, yeah. For a long time. And I use that in the same way that a Siberian shaman or a Moulin shaman in Tibet or mm-hmm. you know, one of the, the shamans of the people in uh, Mexico mm-hmm. or...
0: Korea. Korea. They, or yeah. Right, yeah.
1: yeah. Sami. Everybody, yeah. they all
2: have yeah. their own names. Exactly. This is kind of just the... The generic
3: word—it's
1: right. so, so it's the, the publicly it's the understood, the publicly understood term
3: yeah. for yeah. this practice. Mm-hmm.
0: So, like we say, paganism, mm-hmm. but it also—and for the three of us, mm-hmm. it's three pagans and a cat. But it's a witch, a heathen, and a druid. Right, mm-hmm. so It's right. the same kind of. It does kind of slide concept. off the
3: tongue better than a witch, a pagan, and a druid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Walk into a bar. Oh wait, no. <laughs> now, yeah, no, thank
2: you. Because I think what you do is wonderful, and from what your description is, from right. the description you've given to me. Because that's a healing practice for people, like you know. And you were saying you have to have a life of your integrity, so that when somebody comes to you as a client, they don't know you, right. but they can trust. Right. Without having this previous relationship, they can trust that you're going to take them safely on this journey and bring them back in and bring yeah. yeah. them back in one piece. Well, no, and I think that that's
3: a beautiful is thing. trusting that. Let me put this. I've worked with a number of veterans, you know, mm-hmm. combat vets, and one of the things I've learned from them is that they don't trust anyone who hasn't been at least as traumatized as they were. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they can smell it. And I I know because I can usually tell a combat vet just walking in a room Mm -hmm. because they're just as traumatized or more than I am. Mm -hmm. And there is a sense of, this is a person who has walked their journey in the same way I've walked my journey. And so at least I'm not having to expose myself my wounds to somebody who is going to freak out, freak mm-hmm. out or be... Uh, or be
1: careless with uh, them. Yeah. Right.
3: Somebody who's going to honor it because they've had their own right. path. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a, probably the biggest part of that.
2: Mm-hmm. And it also sounds to me like somebody who is like maybe interested in exploring shamanism really needs to understand this isn't about them themselves necessarily so much as it's about what you do for
3: others. A lot of it depends on whether or not you're chosen. Yeah, by you a spirit. that. You know, mm-hmm. there is nothing wrong with studying shamanism if you're not chosen, just to have just a, to learn, just to, to learn to and, have the experience, and really to enrich your own life. Because right. part of it is that it gives you an opportunity to directly connect in. Mm -hmm. with your ancestral soul, with your celestial soul, Mm -hmm. with your ancestors be able to be more sensitive to the land spirits, the land whites, mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. Is
2: it something you would recommend for people, Absolutely. even if they're not going to follow that necessarily as a path or uh, yes. a practice, but just to enrich themselves? What I've
3: noticed from a lot of my students over the last 30 years or so is that many of them will take the course and then take what they learn and apply it to whatever their own spiritual practices, is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. find that it's very helpful because... It's all about stuff that already is. It's like when we meditate Mm -hmm. and you go into non-dual awareness. Well, you're not making something new. Mm -hmm. You're simply accessing something there that has been there for humans Mm -hmm. since there have been humans to have it. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, when I take people into shamanic body and show them the world tree, well, that world tree has been here a lot longer than (laughs) we have. Right. It's not going anywhere. And humans have always had this capacity. I'm not doing anything new. I'm doing something really old in a slightly new way. Mm-hmm. But there's more in common between the practices that I do and a traditional tribal shaman. Mm-hmm. than there is a contrast. There's much more contrast between the way I do shamanism and... Uh, a core shaman. Core shamanism comes from Michael Harner's work, where he noticed that there are all these shamanic traditions all over the world, and they have certain things in common. And, and
1: from this he posited that there was sort of a basic underlying shamanism that everyone could access
3: <coughs> equally. Right. And unfortunately, he didn't take into consideration the fact that without tribal consciousness, and without that connection to the greater self, that you can't just imagine going down a hole when somebody starts drumming and immediately drop into journey. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, a vast majority of Westerners who have dabbled in shamanism don't know the difference between creative visualization mm-hmm. and shamanic journey. Okay. So I want to be very clear, it is a very different thing. If you sit here and close your eyes and visualize a big oak tree. Mm-hmm. That's
1: and
4: not a journey. No. We, you can, <laughs> you, you, can pick that,
3: you can pick that uh, tree up and move it. Either way, you mm-hmm. can turn it into a giraffe. No problem. You go into shamanic body, into lodge, and you meet the world tree. And you may not have a visual of it. It may just be a, a sense of presence there. But that presence is there. And it's there when you go back. And when you try and move it, it just smiles at
4: you.
3: <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and this is what we run into. Because People are constantly judging, and that's a good thing, and mm-hmm. that we have to discern. Discernment right. is very important. Absolutely. Critical thinking is essential, and yet we need to recognize that quite often when we think we're asking the question, is this real, what we're really asking is, is this the same as the physical reality I'm used to out there in my physical body? No. Yeah. No? No, it's not. It's very different. But if you can turn that question into asking, does this have a profound lasting impact on who i am and how i engage with my ancestors my family and my friends yeah yeah it does
1: yeah what i've found is that there's uh, a there's a difference between discernment and doubt yes and b the most useful question for me is not is it real but does it matter if it matters then yeah it's real enough move well, on to the next step
3: i like the question does it work yeah yeah yeah. If it worked, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So, and because you said uh, post shamanism is a practice rather than a religion, post tribal, 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 right. tribal, yeah. tribal yep. is a practice rather than a religion. That is why people can incorporate it yeah. into yeah. Whatever, 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 Christian uh,
3: shamans, is. Jewish shamans, Buddhism, not Buddhism. It's kind of its own practice. Shamans. Mm -hmm. There you go.
2: Do you find people confuse shamanism with a
3: religion? Oh, yeah. Yeah, In some ways, it's presented as a religion Mm -hmm. because people assume that if there's a spiritual practice, it must be related to a religion. Mm -hmm. The spirituality of shamanism is animism, and people also confuse animism for shamanism. Mm -hmm. Animism is simply the belief that all things are alive. This table is alive room's alive everything has spirit
0: yeah yeah we have two hard animus in the room and one partial animist.
1: Soft animus <laughs> <laughs> i did have i did one thing i wanted to talk about so i studied shamanism a little bit as a teenager just in a gathering information kind of way and one of the things i learned or one of the things that was presented to me was that uh, essentially you couldn't be a shaman unless you had had a near-death experience no
3: what they're saying is it basically that <laughs> somebody looking at shamanism from the outside in mm-hmm. and going, oh, all these people who were called shamanism you know, mm-hmm. have these near death experiences. Well, it turns out that there are other ways to be called shamanism too that can be equally as traumatic mm-hmm. without actually having a near death experience. So the important element there is not the near death experience. It's the smack fire spirit. Spirit.
1: So what we're looking at is is situations, enough situations in a row I guess, where the Call from the spirit was traumatizing in a physically damaging way.
0: Yeah, that's why i not
1: paying attention. But it doesn't have to be physically <laughs> damaging,
4: right?
0: Yeah. I guess if you're not paying enough attention, the spirits right. eventually yeah, got get course. to that point. Yeah, yeah.
3: Like, the hey, you they, know? they break down and use the semi. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, much rather start when there's a stick, right. yes. you know, exactly. popsicle, I I got, got
2: my attention. Okay, <laughs> how about a toothpick? Yes, I was I got slow.
3: It. <laughs> now you, you've written two books. Can I
2: you
4: have.
3: Tell us about those, please. Well, the first book I wrote because. Because I wanted to write a book that wasn't just going to be another book on shamanism. Mm -hmm. This was back around the the mid 2000s, and there were already a bunch, a bunch, (laughs) flux, (laughs) a plague upon us Mm -hmm. of all the books on shamanism. Many of which didn't really seem to have a lot of content that had much substance to it. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to have something that would be substantial, that would be readable, that would be enjoyable. And would be transformative because I was stuck with this idea that I didn't want to just write a book because books are dead (laughs) and I wanted to do something that in some way offered an opportunity of transformation to the reader and about that time I met a person a woman from Germany and We met up in the Catskills in the industry school and turned out to be not very mysterious. (laughs) And she invited me over to Germany to meet her family and go on a road trip. And so I went over there and her dad, Detlef, a really wonderful guy, loaned us his big uh, red Mercedes station wagon. Now you have to understand, all the cars in Europe are about yay big. (laughs) And then... Here was this Mercedes station wagon, it was like a small US uh, SUV. Okay. And there was not much else on the road that big besides the semis. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're tooling around Europe in this you know, boat, mini this <laughs> boat, this land yacht, which was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, diesel so I only put gas in it once. Oh, nice. <laughs>
0: yeah, you learn pretty quickly. Yeah,
3: and. We started having all these wonderful synchronicities, and Lisa was picking my brain about shamanism. And I realized, well, we should be keeping a better journal, because this might be a really good way to write this book.
4: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: And that became the narrative of my first book, Dance of Stones. Okay. So that came out in 2008, but the road trip was in 1998. Okay but it took me a while. To took kind of. And I first self-published it. Now, I had, way back in the late 80s through the mid-90s, I was publisher and editor of a magical journal called Meslene oh, Journal.
2: Okay, I've heard of that. You have heard of that, yeah. yeah.
3: And I was an art director, and I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Now, I've got a background in art and graphics and all that. So I thought, well, I don't really like some of these publishing contracts, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go ahead and self-publish. So I designed it all. I bought my own barcode. I designed my own cover, designed the typography, all that. Found a really good... Actually, the found the, um, the printer that we used to use for Meslin Journal mm-hmm. down in Tarpon Springs, Florida, Marrakech Express, and had them print a thousand copies of this book mm-hmm. so and i think like sometime in may of 2008 yeah um, i had all these books you know these boxes of books show up on our front porch and then over the next five years well, actually 2008 i guess it was about four years it took to sell most of those like mm-hmm. 900 copies right at which point i really got tired of order for full <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> did not mind the whole publishing thing that was fun Mm -hmm. but the put the thing in the you put the book in the envelope and make sure there's a flyer in there for Mm -hmm. your classes and you know it gets really old Mm -hmm. so i found a publisher it's actually a uk publisher
0: moon moon Books. books Yep.
3: right uh john hunt publishing books in print yep they're great people easy to work with they said well we'll publish this, but we want to do something new, too. So I sent them a proposal for the book that I had written, Dance of Stones, to avoid writing. (laughs) (laughs) Because by that time, I realized, I kind of need to have a textbook for this workshop series, which by that time was already seven or eight workshops long. So I put that together, they loved it, published it, and so that's how I got both books in.
0: Cool. Post tribal shamanism, a new look at the old ways. Ah. That's the one. <laughs> I would have remembered. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I have the Amazon page up though, so there you go.
3: <laughs> Both of them have gotten really good reviews. I'm very, very uh, pleased and gratified by all the wonderful reviews. That's good. That's amazing. So yeah, I've been very fortunate with that. So now I'm working on the Shea book and I'm working right. on another book on for yeah. shamanism that I kind of my working title in my head is all the different bits and pieces that didn't fit in the first two it's <laughs> <laughs> kind of
2: a long title you might want to cut it down mm-hmm. I think I'm call one.
3: it grandfather tales there you go mm. because grandfather is what I call my spirit Alley. oh okay. okay and it's stories about grandfather stories that grandfather told me stories of things that I learned the hard way mm. that's
0: that sounds very cool, cool. yeah that sounds, that sounds really good
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. so they've already agreed that they want to publish that. Oh, excellent. But I'm talking to a different publisher over here for the Shea book because I want there to be kind of a separation. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh,
1: may I gather from the fact that you are publishing a book about Shea now that it is not going to be as closely contained exactly. as it was.
3: I, I have uh, finally gotten over myself <laughs> to that extent <laughs> and realized it was really not up to me to manage how people use these teachings. Right. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and put them out there and people are going to do what they want to with them. Mm-hmm. It's not up to me.
0: Right. How do you feel about people who use the word shaman but have none of the stuff so, well, I'm so, I mean, we, we were talking earlier with... Trying
3: to stir stuff up. Aren't with uh, with, with
0: Sarenth and uh, James. And we talked about shamanism kind of esoterically, kind of on the side. Yeah, just a little bit. But, you know, and James was saying, you know, there's like shamanic chips and shamanic this and shamanic that and That's shamanic... Like kind of a yeah, it's become An this
1: advertising a buzzword. A, a sexy,
0: right? Yeah. yeah, it's a sexy buzzword to use. Do you feel that detracts from what you do, and or a do you think, work of or do you think it gives it a boost because now more people know about shamanism? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, right, it's like,
3: a well, in a way, SEO management. Three different ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's about three different ways to look at. It. One is like like cupping. Okay, you know what cupping is. Yes, mm-hmm. yep. Right. The hot cups you and the probably know what cupping is because what's his name in the Olympics a few oh. years ago? Yep. Yes, had cupping yeah. There, right? Phelps. Yeah, uh,
0: Michael Phelps. Yeah. Yep. Right.
3: So I had a set of cups sitting on my shelf for decades, <laughs> and could get very few clients to let me cup them because mm-hmm. they didn't know what it was. Right, and it looked weird. It does look a little strange. Michael Phelps does it and suddenly, and suddenly it's like, everybody so, wants to be cupped everybody wants it <laughs> Yeah. And so I've dusted off my cups and they're working <laughs> so th- there's a good element to that mm-hmm. people now come in and they go I saw that you do shamanism and I'm not really sure what it is but I heard from somebody uh-huh. that I might need mm-hmm. and so here's
1: my problem can you help me right. right
3: and I can say either yes or I really think you need to see a specialist about that mm-hmm. in psychotherapy mm-hmm. right because yeah. right. shamanism is not psychotherapy right So yes, it's it's handy in that sense that more people now when they look at my business card and go oh shaman, fewer people have their eyes glaze over and they have no (laughs) idea what that means. Now many of them think they know what it means, right? You know, but that's the other part side of it Mm -hmm. is you know the downside is that people come to it with an idea of what it is. It's completely spurious, Mm -hmm. right? At the same time, it can be kind of Aggravating, and I try not to let it get to me, that there are people out there who don't have a clue, but they had a really good mushroom trip back in the <laughs> 80s. Yeah. And the spirit told them that they were a shaman, so by gum they went out and set up their shingle, and they've been doing it in Sedona ever since. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a website on the internet, obviously, <laughs> called uh, Plastic Shaman, something like this.
1: Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah,
3: and, and they do... They basically try to uh, what's the word In, uh, somebody's getting rid of a hoax de- 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 debunk. debunk yes they're trying to debunk what they consider to be fake chants. Mm-hmm.
0: okay that's good this was
3: a great idea yeah. because there are some people out there like oh god what's the one who wrote Jaguar Woman oh I'm, I've seen Lynn that Andrews. book Lynn Andrews <laughs> Lynn Andrews I, who I actively I... claims to have been taught by Native Americans mm-hmm. okay who first of all ...are not in shamanic cultures. Right. Mm-hmm. And secondly, those very native elders say, we don't know this person. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the Castaneda syndrome. Yeah. You know, I was taught by an old Yaqui Indian elder, Yaqui Indians. Uh, we don't know you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those aren't mm-hmm. our teachings. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, I made it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I understand them going after people like that, mm-hmm. right? But I went to them silly me and said hey I think you're doing some good work here I just want to be supportive they jumped all over me I said well how dare you say you're a shaman what nation are you from US (laughs) and they went and checked my uh, website and saw that I was white Mm -hmm. and that there's one little entry in a blog that I wrote at the time where I'm talking to somebody else and I mentioned that my great grandmother on my father's side was Cherokee Mm-mm. and they say yeah was she a Cherokee princess you know and just just being rude mm, yeah. just being rude and yeah. obviously these guys have a chip on their shoulder the yeah. side of Mount Everest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just a shame because they could be actually providing a decent service and not right. showing any discernment right yeah. and
2: it's crazy that they would attack someone who's actually saying thank you you're doing great right. work yeah. exactly yeah. you know but, but that shows their own that shows but their just own to show you
3: how distorted the whole thing is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a fellow who is on the Internet a lot, who lives in Wales, whose name is Nicholas, and he is the curmudgeon of the shamanic <laughs> Internet and he is a great one for saying all oh, those New Age wombies, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he is initiated by some Siberian mm-hmm. shamans, and he's done work with Tibetan shamans, and right. he's good yeah. people. Right. And yeah. he also has been publishing Sacred Hoop, which is... Yeah, the Sacred the, Hoop. Yep. Right, that's the shamanic magazine out there for the past few decades. Yeah, long time. So it took me the longest time to get him to even consider the fact that I might actually be doing shamanism. He finally actually read my book and gave it a very nice review. Oh, that's
2: wonderful. Saying,
3: oh, this is actually substantial and not a bunch of nui hui. <laughs> right, right. It's
1: amazing what you find out when you actually read actually someone's work. Actually read uh,
2: someone's work. Instead of just
1: his... making broad assumptions. Yeah,
3: I, I get his point though. I, when you have you know, thirty-five people in a row mm-hmm, come mm-hmm. and say, "I'm a shaman," and they don't even have a clue what it is. Right? right.
1: Yeah. You develop sort of an you instinctive You expect number rejection. thirty-six yeah. to
3: also be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, I think that's why, to be honest, um, you know, I I started in in Wicca back in two thousand nineteen ninety nine two thousand. You know, I went to some pagan pride days and. I went to some uh, events like this. I don't know if shamanism for some reason was like some books were coming out. and I remember thinking that everybody and their brother was saying they were a shaman. And it felt yes. false to me, and yes. so that's why I was, it was like trendy for it a was bit. trendy, right. and
1: so I guess so. And I think I, it's probably becoming trendy. Yeah, yeah,
2: and so I guess that's why I felt like the people that I came that I came across were saying, "Oh, I'm a shaman, I'm a shaman." i was like, "Here's a shaman, he's a shaman, she's right. a shaman, you <laughs> too." You know, wouldn't you like to be a shaman too? I just for that honestly for that reason, I never wanted to find out what it was.
3: Who can blame you?
2: So I'm really glad to now have that dispelled and understand what shamanism truly is. So right. thank you for that, because I feel like I've been kind of judging a lot of people who probably didn't deserve. Oh, to be believe judged. me, I
3: get judged because of their <laughs> shenanigans as well. Yeah, you
1: get the blowback. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah.
3: And I don't. I can't blame people. Right. See, look, I booked a good
1: interview. You all. You all. <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good interviews
2: yeah no so I've this has been incredibly informative I want to get your You're books sorry. and I want to get your new one when I'm it comes out that. yeah because I'd like to I'd like to learn more about this because I feel like I've missed something that could really be beneficial right. because it's like you say it's a practice that can be adapted
3: my hope is that some of the people who are currently apprentices or apprenticing with me mm-hmm. will eventually be out there teaching as Out, which will increase the number of Mm -hmm. actual shamans out there. Mm -hmm. Right, people who you can go to and are just
1: because you know it's a service-based practice. Exactly, and having more trained shamans out there would reduce your workload.
0: (laughs) It it means that you know maybe we wouldn't have to travel to Cincinnati, which is not necessarily (laughs) next door. Right. So it's about, I think it's I do about do five hours. Work. Okay. Okay.
4: Yeah. There we go.
0: So, well, thank you very much for being here, thank Ken. You I think, you think we've learned time. a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, like entranced, I'm sorry I haven't said much on the podcast, but I was just like staring going, okay, I'm going to take all this in take all this in, take all this in, yeah So again, yeah, I can't wait to buy the book and yeah. books yeah, and books. the new one coming out, learn even more So uh, I'm
2: excited for our, our listeners to hear this, to really get an understanding of what true shamanism is because yeah. I think, because a lot of our listeners are new to paganism right. there's probably been some confusion a lot of, just misconceptions. Like, a lot of misconceptions just like i had yep. and so i'm glad that we have this opportunity to clear the air and make
3: it clear you know well, make thank it clear you all very much it's been a pleasure it's nice sitting around chatting with you okay. lovely yeah. accommodations thanks
0: <laughs> in our little tiny room yes. our
3: little tiny our hotel convocation
2: room. hotel room
0: next year sweet <laughs> all right and we bring chairs yes, yes
2: we bring chairs
1: mistakes right. were
0: made yes that's very true <laughs> You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www3 pagansinacatcom